Hello, everybody. We are Ken and Lisa Henderson. We'd like to welcome you to the Faith Works Podcast, and thank you for tuning in. We are going to be looking into the lives of ordinary people, and we'll be examining how faith in God is working in their lives and how it will work in yours. We are very excited to bring you testimonies, release prophetic words, and examine Scripture, which will cause your faith in Jesus Christ to grow. Thanks again for joining our conversation. Welcome to the Faith Works Podcast. I'm Lisa Henderson. And my name's Pastor Ken Henderson. Together, we pastor the Salt Life Church on Merritt Island, Florida. Thank you for allowing us to come into your home today. And we're going to be talking about revival coming to us. So we want to look at Psalms chapter 85, verse 6, which says, Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice? Pastor Lisa this past weekend actually spoke to our church about revival coming, and and we really had a spectacular service. And so we want to kind of revisit some of those notes that were in that time. And we want to talk about some of the things that we find in the Bible not only that, but we also want to talk about things that we've seen because we've been revivalists and we actually operated as evangelists going from church to church for a number of years. And my wife actually wrote for Charisma Magazine for a number of years. And so she's going to be telling you some of the things, some of the experiences that we saw, and I'm going to join her from time to time to help us get going. We're going to start looking in the book of Exodus, and we're going to look at some of the experiences that we actually find in the Bible. And so we want you to join in today as we talk about revival coming. All right, so we're going to start um, in the book of Exodus, chapter 19, and I'm going to jump around a little bit um, in that book and just share with you what we shared with our church Sunday, because a, a lot of the conversation right now is revival coming to our nation, when's revival coming, is revival coming, um, we really feel like revival is here, and that's what we, we're telling our people Revivals here. We're seeing people get saved across America, um, around the globe a lot um, right now. And a lot of other nations, you're hearing about revival. You may not be hearing about it as much over here, but there, Jesus is visiting um, third world countries, literally showing up and visiting third world countries. And when they're going in with the Jesus film or they're going in later, they're saying, oh, that man was here yesterday or that man was here last week. And they're like, what man? Talking about Jesus. Right. right? And they're like, the man that was on the film, uh, that man that you're talking about was here. So we're seeing an outbreak of the spirit of God. But Pastor Ken just read that scripture on, will you not revive us again that we may rejoice in you? And we want to talk a little bit. We've been saying a lot about revival, but what are we going to do when revival comes? We're hearing people talk about, oh, um, you know, revival, revival, revival. Well, what are you doing to prepare for revival? What are you going to do when revival comes? Because there's some things that we must do to prepare for revival. You know, one of the things I think we need to do realistically is talk about what revival is and and what it means to be revived so that people can have an understanding because there's a lot of people that's, that have asked me personally, you know, when is the revival coming? Right. And as you mentioned already, the revival is already here. So when, we, when, when you see that, we need to understand what it means to be revived. And so if you faint and, and you're, you know, you're laying out unconscious, 
when you come back, they say they have revived you. Or if you were to, uh, God forbid, to die and they use CPR or the Lord raised you back up, you would be revived. So we need to understand what that means. It doesn't mean necessarily that God is going to come down and just perform for us as some kind of uh, magician or, or something to that effect. And one of the things that you pointed out uh, the the other day is the difference between really anointing and getting caught up in the anointing and the way that people respond uh, to talent sometimes because if we're not careful we'll confuse the two and then then we won't really have revival we'll just have emotionalism right. so we want to talk about those things a little bit more right. today. So, so I'm going to read out of Exodus 19 um, and Moses has given some instruction and God is talking to Moses and telling him to prepare um, for revival or for him to come down um, and visit the people and the Lord said verse 9 said and the Lord said to Moses behold I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever so Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And he says, basically, he says, You shall set bounds for all the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. And he gives them some instructions and, and for them not to touch the mountain and those type of things. And you can read that scripture for yourself. Um, and he tells them, you know, if they do, they're going to die, basically. Don't touch the mountain. So he says that there's going to be a long blast of the trumpet. And then says, Moses went down to the mountain, and he tells them, God's coming down. He's going to visit us on the third day. And he tells them, uh, don't touch your wives. Don't go near the women. God's coming down on the third day. Consecrate yourselves and prepare. For on the third day, God's coming down. And then, then it goes down in verse 16. It says, and then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. And now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. And then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Now, as you can probably see, I'm getting wrecked because um, one thing is this Exodus is uh, probably one of my favorite books of the Bible to read. And Moses, outside of reading about Jesus, is one of my favorite characters to read about in the Bible. I'm fascinated with the relationship that he had with God. But we read here about this experience that God's you know, having with the people and how he promises to come down and visit them. And there's a preparation. You know, we read in Psalms, um, will you not revive us again? And we're hearing about people talking about, you know, when's the revival coming? But 
my question is, what are people doing to prepare for revival? And there is a, a level of responsibility on our part to prepare for revival. And you just talked about that. You know, it's revival is not just showing up. Well, I appreciate what's going on in the earth, and I appreciate the gathering of people together for worship and meetings. And I do believe people are getting saved, but it's not just a gathering together for some great worship and jumping up and down and, and having an emotional experience yeah. and leaving unchanged. You know, Revival brings transformation. Right. And, and because you've written for Charisma magazine for, for probably close to 20 years, I guess it is. They sent us on assignment many times to just cover revivals as they would break out all over the place. And we've been privileged to actually see a lot of things pertaining to revival come to pass. And so one of the things that I know is because uh, before Brownsville actually had the revival that went on for five years, a man by the name, a Jewish brother by the name of Dick Rubin went in and he began to describe what it was necessary. And he said this, when the pattern is right, the glory will fall. Matter of fact, if you go to Dick Rubin Ministries, you can still get those um, tapes of what he said in those days. And that stuff is so rich. There's, I believe, five videos in it. And there, there's so much in there that I have actually been digesting that for somewhat about 20 years now. And it's just five messages, but it's profound. And it talks about us being priests, being part of the priesthood, and understanding what was necessary. And coming back to the time, really, the Bible starts talking about in Exodus and really learning what it means to in the New Testament in Hebrews, it calls us a kingdom of priests. But in the Old Testament, the priesthood pattern is set for. And, and so when we see this, there's a couple of things that have always accompanied revival on the revivals that we've been to. There's two primary things. One is repentance, and the other is praise and worship. Now, without the two in, in combination, you can get out of sync on either side. And so a lot of times when revivals have been in the past, uh, repentance was always preached. But if that's all that is there and there's no joy and there's no exuberance and there's there's nothing joyous about it, it becomes burdensome and eventually the revival will dry up. But when you and if then on the other side of that is if we just have praise and worship and that's where some people can get confused because it's amazing even what Hollywood does with music to shift atmospheres so that you have a particular feeling. So if you don't have a balance of both, you may not have true revival. And if you're not discerning, you may not be able to tell what you're into. So the preparation side is both the repentance and the praise and worship together where we repent of sins and, and teshuva is the word that in the Hebrew language we have a it's, it's not just repentance, but it is an ongoing repentive attitude that we have continuously that prepares us for the glory of God to come in and for the revival to come in. And then being thankful and having that heart of worship also brings that about. If you study because we're revivalists um, and we traveled, um, and our, uh, the heart of our ministry is revival. And we, we've experienced some great revivals. Um, 
repentance, when you study revival, the heart of most of those revivals, if you go back to the Welsh revival, the great Welsh revival, has been repentance. And as these men of God would begin to, to preach repentance, people would just in the pews would would begin to wail and cry and and there's testimony of people crawling to the altars and crying out to god um alcoholics and and addicts and and different uh you know prostitutes and 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 moves of god sweeping in and closing down brothels and closing down um you know um saloons and different different things because the move of god was so rich but as getting back to what our responsibility is, if we're going to have revival, and we've often said, you know, we have some personal responsibility to have revival, to have uh, personal revival. You know, we're talking about people talking about a great awakening, the next great awakening. Well, it's, there cannot be a, an awakening without a revival, and there cannot be a, a revival in a church unless there first be personal revival. There's got to right. be some people in the pews that first have personal revival who begin to then pray for corporate revival, that that catches on, and then that moves then to the church getting revived, that that moves then to an awakening that happens across the land. But when you hear the instruction from God to Moses, I know this is Old Testament, and, and here's where... This is the what principle doesn't me. change there just because it's Old Testament. But but we're, we're living in a generation and in an era that says that's Old Testament, so let's throw that out. Mm. Uh, we're in a New Testament age. Yeah, you know, actually the Bible tells us in the New Testament it's it's not the letter of the law but the spirit of the law that we need to consider. And the spirit of the law is consistent and causes us to come to repentance, even though some people don't like to hear that these days. Uh, it actually calls for us to repent and to live a sin-free life and to look to God as the source of and having that ketuva or a repentive attitude always and what I call keeping a short account so that if you uh, actually have something that you do that you immediately go back to, Lord, forgive me, and you move forward and you move past that. It's so. interesting because right now as we're filming this, we're actually in between, in between Rosh Hashanah and um, Yom Kippur, and it's supposed to be a season of repentance yes, and is, getting move, moving toward the Day of Atonement. Right. Um, so, you know, we're in that season, so we're really... Um, paying close attention to that as we're, we're as we're preparing and, and filming this but uh, you mentioned that so i'm seeing a, a bunny you may have to shoot the rabbit here in a second we've taught on worship often during um our times of preaching revival and we've said this often because people have asked us why is there not a clear pattern laid out in the new testament for worship we find it in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to explain that? Sure. Uh, God already explained it. It's, it's like uh, Brother Reuben said about the priesthood. The reason you don't see a pattern for priesthood in the New Testament, it is well developed and laid out in the Old Testament, and it has not passed away. It didn't change. It didn't change. The only thing that changed was the sacrificial law was fulfilled with Jesus, and when he died, then that was taken care of, and you no longer have those issues to worry about bringing bulls. And I thank God because we're reading Leviticus right now and the sacrifices. I would not want to be a priest during that day because it was a bloody job. 
everybody had to bring. And, and you couldn't just sacrifice it any way you want to. Each sin had specific sacrifices and specific things that you did. Sometimes you would throw the blood on the side of the altar. Sometimes you would dump it right at the foot of the altar. And everything was very precise. And so and God has not changed his mind about certain things. And what we see, you know, a lot of times people want to say, well, you know, that, that was Old Testament. Let me say this about God. He has not changed. He said in, in the word in the New Testament, I am God and I change not. Therefore, when he prescribes something, he means for it to continue on. And when you look at the feast, and we're talking about feast days a little bit a minute ago, they are to be forever, a memorial forever. And so this hasn't changed at all. So the pattern is the same. And the danger of uh, of saying, well, it's not in the New Testament that we repent. I read, and I think it was in John chapter 5 this week, where Jesus was at the pool of Bethesda, and he spoke to the man. And of course, the man got up and he went and he walked. But at the end of that, he said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing comes upon you. So we have to see that the Old Testament patterns were established already. Therefore, we don't need to revisit them in the New Testament. Praise and worship, if you go through the Psalms and you haven't figured out how to praise and worship by the end of them, I don't know how to help you realistically, but but because David would say, you know, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord and, and, and oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And, and he would say those things and he laid out the pattern for worship and also the pattern for repentance and the pattern for sin being dealt with through the sacrifices, which we know the ultimate sacrifice was taken care of on the cross. Don't get me wrong. We're not going to start going back to bulls and goats. However, in the future, during the tribulation period, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear about that, the Jews are going to go back to actually blood sacrifices with bulls and lambs and goats because they missed the fact that Jesus was the Lamb of God. Right. So because this is, has been established, the, the pattern for for worship in the Old Testament, it's not readdressed again in the New Testament. And while um, the priesthood is not readdressed again in the New Testament, but repentance, you know, is addressed over and over again in the Old Testament, and it's addressed in the New Testament with the exception of, you know, we don't have to do the um, sacrifices because Jesus is the sacrifice once and for all. But Moses addresses this because it says here again in um, Exodus nineteen fourteen, he says, Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to them, be ready for the third day. So... We, if we're going to prepare for revival, then we need to be sanctified. And the Bible says, purify yourselves, O mm-hmm. sinners. Mm-hmm. We are to wash ourselves, the washing with the water of the word. Cleanse yourself, cleanse, you double-minded. Cleanse yeah. yourselves. So we're, if you want to be prepared for revival, when is revival coming? What are you doing to prepare for revival, for it to come? What are you doing? Are you asking the Lord, Lord, what do I need to do to prepare for revival? How do I need to be cleansing you know, myself? Now, I know we are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, so don't be sending me some hate mail and some nasty emails and a bunch of Facebook stuff saying I'm, you know, I'm off target. I'm not. We are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We got that. Are we clear? We, we, we understand that. We are only cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. But the Bible is very clear. As far as cleansing 
cleansing yourself. There's things that, you know, I can go to the Lord and say, Lord, are, are there things that I'm doing that I need to get rid of? He can cleanse me by the blood, but there may be things that I'm doing that I have in my home that need to go. There may be movies I'm watching that he says, you know what, that's not good for you. There may be language that, that he may not be, that he will not make me stop saying. He'll forgive me for it, but he won't make me stop doing yeah. because I have free will. Mm-hmm. That's an act of my will so that I cleanse myself by, and I, I renew my mind by the washing of the Word. I prepare for revival by getting in the Word and letting myself be purified. So what are we doing as I prepare? So by going back to Old Testament, I'm looking and saying, okay, how can I apply this Scripture to a New Testament lifestyle to prepare myself for revival, to prepare, be ready for the third day? When the Lord comes and brings revival. You know, there's, there's two separate scriptures in, in the New Testament that says, one of them says to mortify the deeds of the flesh. That means to put that to death. Right. And so we mortify the deeds of the flesh. When it's talking about that, it doesn't mean go kill yourself. It means to kill the sinful nature that we have. We don't talk about that much anymore. We, don't, we, we, we know that man is a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. But yet, no, we don't talk about it as much as we used to talk about the old man dying and the old man being crucified. And the second place is actually in the book of Hebrews where it says that we are to lay aside every weight. And by doing so, we're actually preparing for this revival that God is. And listen, friend, it's not coming. It's here. But what are you doing to be prepared so that this Sunday when you walk in, you're ready to embrace the power and the move of God in your church. That's good because we're waiting for God to come down and zap us and perform for us. I get frustrated with that because God is already, well, in our church, God's moving greatly and mightily. We're having people filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This last week we had three baptized in the, uh, in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. And let me just throw this out there. If you're a Pentecostal church, you should be having people baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I hear people saying, well, I go to a Pentecostal church and people aren't being filled with the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. And I'm blown away by that because we're Pentecostal. That should be happening in our services. Uh, That's just my personal belief on that. But anyway, uh, God is moving. And so what are we waiting for? We're waiting for him to come down and perform magic tricks for us. And he is not going to do that. He is God. We do not tell him what to do. He moves and he is sovereign. And and here's the problem. You know, he is holy. And what he did here, and and I long for for moves of God and we've experienced them. And we're going to talk about that on our next program. Some of the revivals that we've seen and experienced and they're powerful. But we have do not treat the sovereign move of God like it's ordinary. It is holy, and we need to treat it like it's holy, not like it's just something ordinary, but we need to reverence the move of God and treat it like it's holy, because if we don't, He doesn't have to move in our in our situations and in our churches, and it's more than just a, a an emotional thing, and, and I don't care if you get slain in the Spirit. You've said that so many times. It, it doesn't impress us if you get slain in the Spirit or not. It's if you're not going to get up, when you when you get up off the floor and act any different than what you went down when you were slain, then what difference does it make? It, it's about acting different and having a transformational experience. That's revival. 
Revival is you being transformed and having a, a, a situation or a, an experience, an encounter with God that changes your life, not an emotional experience where you went to a, a series of meetings or an outdoor event or, or whatever and you got emotional and you jumped up and down and bounced up and down to some really great music and your emotions were touched, but there were no, was no change. That's not revival, my friend. Revival brings change. You know what I noticed in John chapter 5, we were talking about the pool of Bethesda a minute ago, and this guy had been laying at the gate for 38 years, laying at that pool for 38 years, and the angel would come down and trouble the water, and when he did, you know, if you stepped into the water, you would be healed at that point in time, which was a great thing, but he never got to the water, but when Jesus came by, he got transformed. Yes. And here's the thing, what Jesus told him to do was impossible for him. And so what God's calling you to do may be impossible, but if you have a true occasion to, to, to interact with Jesus, and we all do, it'll really change you. Now, let me say this. Most of us have seen enough of the moving of God's Spirit already that if, if seeing such a thing, these people, when you read that and you said the mountain was on, there was smoke on the mountain, there was thunderings. There was lightning. When you see that, the Bible actually says in chapter 20 that they were scared. Yeah. And 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 so they, they, I mean, you go to chapter 20, verse 18, and start reading about it. And they said to Moses, hey, listen, we appreciate what you're telling us. I appreciate what you're showing me right now. But at the same time, if you don't mind, you go talk to him. We'll listen to you. But don't let him talk to us anymore because it was so powerful. And some people have been in powerful moves already. But here's the thing. After they saw this, after 70 of them went up on the mountain with Moses and actually had dinner with God, they still turned from him, went down the mountain, and almost immediately created a molten calf, and they were worshiping it when Moses came down. Such a strange thing. Here's my point. And I really want to be clear on this. God is not going to come down and perform for you. And even if he did, you still have to guard your heart and continue to seek after him. We're talking about getting prepared and being prepared. And the only way to do that is continuously chase after God, chase after God, chase after God. Two elements, repentance praise and worship. I, I want to just piggyback on what you just said because it's got to download while you were speaking right now. Moses went up on the mountain. They all had dinner with him. Moses stayed. The 70 and Aaron came back down. Moses and Joshua stayed up. They're down. The children of Israel are saying, hey, that man Moses, I like that. They're not even respectful. That man Moses uh, is disappeared. He, he's disappeared, and we don't know where he's. We need somebody to lead us, and we need something to worship. So Aaron says, "Okay, go get us some gold, and we'll we'll make you something to worship." Now the seventy that was with him that saw God ate dinner with God. Nobody disagrees or argues or tries to stop or anything. They make the the golden calves. So they do this, and they worship the calf. So what happens, Moses was gone a little too long. So what I'm trying to say, my friend, is you're going to have moments of downtime. There's going to be mountaintop 
where you had dinner with God and it's awesome. God's going to show up and bless your socks off. It's going to be incredible. And then you may walk through the valley and you're not going to feel Him. It's not all sunshine and roses and feelings. And it's going to be a walk by faith type experience. And you're going to doubt, you know, wow, did I really feel Him? Did I really just experience that? But He's real. And you walk through that experience until you have another. The Bible says this, that God took Moses from glory to glory. And so we trust God and we're faithful to Him until we get to that next experience. We don't worship the golden calf in the meanwhile. So, friend, listen, we, we want to continue to talk about this, and we're going to come back, and, and perhaps next week you can catch this second episode on this, on preparing for the revival that is coming, because we're out of time. Yes. And so we want to invite you back. Just repent anything that's going on in your life that you know needs to be taken care of and start worshiping God, and I promise you, where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Bible said there is freedom, there is liberty, and there is revival. Thank you for listening to the Faith Works Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to visit us at cornerstonegm.org for books, blogs, movies, and spiritual growth. You can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Lisa Henderson, and that's Lisa, L-E-S-A, and at Ken Henderson, or you can follow our ministries at My Salt Life Church and at Cornerstone Global M. See you next week.